Welcome to the Pacific Current. My name is Jenica K. And this is Andrew T. We're here today with Kamu Unga, owner slash operator of Ohana Car Detailing. Welcome to the show, Kamu. How's it? <laughs> Super stoked to have you here with us. Roger, yeah. Super stoked to be here. Yeah, recently started um, started your own business, Ohana Car Detailing. Why don't you give our listeners a little overview about what you do and how long you've been operating? Okay, so short story, maybe seven months ago. Uh, the kids had this idea of starting a business. Uh, so we would go to um, garage sales or whatever and find whatever we could for cheap prices and then try to flip them. Flip them. Yep. Nice. So like, we started off with live videos and uh, we found that it was not gaining the kind of traction we hoped. So came up with the idea of um, bringing up a craft that I had learned when I was young and uh, teaching it to the kids. So it was a two-fold mission. One was to teach them uh, a life skill and uh, the other was to... Um, have them generate money, generate some kind of income for themselves. So we uh, started by letting our family and friends know, like our, our close circle yeah. of fr- our friends. And um, somebody came up with the idea of um, doing it more often and uh, posting it on social media. And once we posted on social media, it just blew up. And uh, we've been doing cars uh, on the weekends, mostly Saturdays and Sundays uh, over in Evo in my house. Uh, steady for like the past six, seven months now. Yeah. Yep. And, uh, Basically, we, we offer anything from a basic wash and vacuum all the way up to a uh, full detail, ceramic coating, paint correction, uh, and just like anything else, still learning, trying to figure out how to perfect the craft so that we can take it past um, just doing the usual. Yeah. So, uh, and of course, the kids are uh, in and out of business. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, so it basically, it turned into dad doing it by himself. And, uh, the joys of a family business. Yeah. <laughs> so, no. So the, family the kids come downstairs and come out to the garage whenever they need money. Oh, dad, I need money for this weekend. So they'll come out and, and get their hustle on. But more or less, that's what the overview has been is uh, starting up something to help the kids generate money. And then it's just kind of taking off from there. Wow, that's amazing. So you're doing this on the side of your full-time job, yeah? Correct. So got a full-time job, full-time dad. Uh, kids got their sporting events. Three kids, uh, yeah? Three kids. Uh, one in high school, one in middle school, one in elementary. Wow. So I got one that's into dance. I got one that's into soccer. And then I got one, my son, the youngest one, still trying to figure out what his mission in life is. But um, between their schedules and then my wife's and I schedule, uh, full-time work, um, we make it happen on the it's weekends. It's a grind, man. It's a grind. It's, yeah. it's a big grind. And uh, I think more or less um, knowing that I can do something with the kids at home on the weekends rather than go out and do my regular job on yeah. a Saturday, Sunday doing OT. I can sure. walk right downstairs and I'm home yeah. with the kids and I can involve the family too. So that more or less, that was my, that's what I envisioned initially was trying to do something we could do from home so that I could uh, engage with the kids more you know, rather than being away, uh, getting paid by somebody else. Just yeah. make my own business. Yeah. The side hustle. The, the grind. Hustle. <laughs> <laughs> but you've always been into cars. Always, right? Yeah, always been into cars from small kid time. Uh, growing up, uh, dad was into cars. He was a mechanic at Honda Windward. So uh, naturally, we all kind of gravitated towards cars. Uh, we're on the mechanic side. And then uh, as we got older, you know, we kind of strayed away from it a little bit because we had sports growing up through high school. And then after high school, you know, my first job was working at Honda Windward uh, as a lot tech because mom worked there, right? Shout out. Shout out to Honda Windward. Honda Windward, hey. Lot tech's finest. <laughs> And uh, we went over there and, uh, you know, 
it was funny is uh they had an old old tata that was working over there and he was the only guy in the back running the buffer yeah yeah he was the only guy allowed to use the buffer and you know i took it upon myself to go watch him learn yeah and then i just kind of picked it up uh, as a passion at what i thought was doing a good job <laughs> washing cars over there now i realize i wasn't really doing a very good job but <laughs> that's where i kind of started started off with cars uh, over there and then Made the big transition. Uh, went over to the Tony Group Autoplex. Shout out to the Autoplex. Oh, wow. Oh, that's where I got yep. my car. Yep. So Tony Group is where I learned. I got to go to a class that allowed me to become a master detailer. So, oh. so I went there and I learned. Uh, they actually paid for me to go to a, a school and learn how to be a master detailer. Got a certificate. That's when I realized I was doing cars wrong this whole time. <laughs> what does it how? entail? What's the What type of education or how long is the program? So the program that we did was a two-month program. And during that time, we learned uh, everything from detailing the outside of a car to the inside of a car to the engine bay. Wow. Um, techniques, best practices. Um, I think the biggest thing for me was um, realizing that there's more to um, uh, washing a car. Mm-hmm. Uh, detailing is much different than just a wash in a vacuum. So detailing a car is actually spending that time to get into the details and um, make the car look as new as possible if it's a used car or even if it's a new car. New cars coming off the line already have blemishes in it. So we learned those techniques. And then uh, after passing the course, we had to do a practical. So the practical basically was uh, doing a full detail on the car. And then we got graded. There was a point system and we got graded. And if we made the grade, then we got a cert, which allowed me to get a pay raise working at the Tony Group Autoplex because we were one of few detailers that was master detailers and we got paid flat rate. So the way how flat rate works is is for every car that you did, they would say, okay, this car will cost us four hours. We'll pay you four hours to do it. So our hustle was to do it in two hours so that we would make the extra two hours and then do the next car. So that's where we learned how to, well, that's where I learned uh, how to turn over cars quickly, but still have the quality of the work put into the cars. Mm. And then, of course, that didn't last long because I found a better job and moved on. So I had a 15-year gap, right? So the 15-year gap turned into six months ago, and now I'm back learning again. I see. But you still had it, those skills in your back pocket. I still had the skills in my back pocket. It was um, it was skills that I thought I had honed, but it was honed back when you know I, I was doing it. Now I realize that technology has moved on, techniques have moved on, best practices have moved mm-hmm. on. So to me, fortunate is social media has a lot of videos of people that are master detailers that they're posting it online. Yeah. So... Um, I immersed myself into the detailing community, um, follow a lot of guys on social media. Fortunate, I get a lot of guys that respond to my questions. So basically, it's learning on the fly without having to go through some kind of formal education. I love that. I feel like, um, you know, college is great, but you can get, you can learn anywhere, you know, especially with the internet. Um, You've got your phone handy all the time. Mm. There are still libraries that are open (laughs) to the public with books (laughs) that also have the internet. Um, But that's great. I think it's really important to take initiative um, about something that you're passionate so that you can learn more the more you reach out to others. Um, What are some of the things that you talked about uh, teaching? teaching your kids mm-hmm. uh, life skills. What are some things you feel they have learned in the last six months or so from working with you? Uh, for me, the biggest, the biggest uh, takeaway that I wanted the kids to have uh, from it was knowing that the money just doesn't show up. You know what I mean? <laughs> it doesn't? And, and, yeah, the, the money just doesn't show up. Right? And, and, and I think more or less is, um, it, and, and this is on a parent note, right, is um, us growing up, 
right? We all grew up together, us growing up. Things wasn't always available to us. So a lot of times there were sacrifices our parents had to make yeah. uh, in order for us to have what we wanted. And going through that, I made it my mission to make sure that the kids had what they needed. And then I realized that I was I was going through this vicious cycle of they, they always want, 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 yeah. right? Without knowing the repercussions of not having. Mm-hmm. So um, my biggest takeaway for them was to know that in order for you to make money, right? I'm not going to give you the money anymore. You need to show up. Yeah. So if you can't get out of bed and walk down 15 stairs and come get your hustle on, then how do I know that you're going to be okay going out the front door 10 years from now and going and getting a job? Right? Yeah. Because uh, a lot of times the kids don't want to go. They just stay home because, oh, mom and dad going to take care. So now it's instead of giving them an allowance, if they want money to go out on the weekend, they got to come show up yeah. to work on the weekends. Then they don't get an allowance. So that was my biggest takeaway is them understanding the importance of not money, but earning the money. Earning the money. The yeah. process of getting it. Putting, yeah. in, putting in the work. Yeah, putting in the work. Sweat equity, I call it. Uh, get that sweat, get that sweat uh, equity and <laughs> go earn it, right? Yeah. And, and now, which is funny, right, is the kids realize, I really don't want to do this. <laughs> right? I go like, then. Yeah. So, right, and, and now I look at their grades, you know, I see a different, um, I see a different uh, demeanor with my kids, for instance, right? Uh, my oldest one uh, has never been one to say that she's going to go out there and excel in, in academics. Mm-hmm. And in the past six months, since school started and understanding the importance of money, she's uh, gotten straight A's, two quarters in a row, 4.0 yeah. now, right? Because she realizes that in order for her not to stay in the grind that we're doing now, she needs to do something better. Yeah. So that was my biggest thing as having a side hustle was embracing the idea of the process, learning from the process and having the kids gain experience from that so that they can relate it to how they're going to approach school. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Well, and, and what's cool is it creates... Uh, to me, it creates uh, creative tension, right? So out of out of all the tension that I have of trying to yank these kids out of the house and put them in the garage, yeah, I realize that I'm pulling other characteristics out of them um, because now they're they're like, okay, I don't want to be in the garage. So what are things that I can show you that I can do that maybe you can help me embrace? Yeah. Like I never knew Sepa like music. Now all of a sudden I find him liking music and he's making music. So he downloads this app and he's making music uh, and I'm like, oh, what are you doing? What's that? You hold that. I'm making. I'm making music. DJ, action. So and, you know, and it's cool because he's never been one into music, mm. right? And then all of a sudden, he's, he's he's on there. He's on his phone. He's making these soundtracks, and he goes, "Hold that! Listen to this." And I said, "Oh, so this is what you do on the weekends now instead of <laughs> 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 making, 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 making music." And, and, and you know what? That's cool. Yeah, that's fine with me, right? If, if he's passionate, if he's, he's passionate about it. it and he's into it, that's cool. I would like to see that passion make money. <laughs> but I kind of hate he's sixth grade. He's still trying to figure out his mission in life. So. <laughs> we, we talk about that too in the show. Is like there's the thing that you're passionate about. There's the thing that makes you money. And then there's the things that you're good at. And really like finding a some good blend of that. What you're good at. What's going to make you money. And then what you're passionate about. The blend of those three things is really what, what you kind of live for. It kind of sounds like that's what your life path has been, you know, like uh, all of those different times. And you're kind of starting to blend it together right now. Yeah, I think the, the, the biggest part for me is uh, coming out of high school and then going to college. I really didn't know what I wanted to do. So I basically reflected on what am I good at and tried to just embrace those 
qualities or those characteristics and then see how I could generate money doing it that way. Yeah. And then over time, you know, I've realized that, oh, there's these other things that I can do. So detailing has always been like my foundation of this is what I first learned. It became a passion for me. And then I had to pocket it for a little while because something else came up. Another mm-hmm. opportunity came up. And I wasn't about to shut the door on that, right? So door open, took a chance at it, learned my lesson. And here I am back again 15 years later pulling it out of my back pocket and then going so you're right um, as you get older you realize that there's things that you're good at there's things that make you money and then there's things that you know that are your passion yeah, right you just because you're good at it doesn't yeah. mean it's your passion and just because it's your passion doesn't mean it makes you money Yeah. right so that, I think that's kind of like where I'm at right now because between my full time job uh, my passion which is detailing and then the other side hustle which is doing dinners right Oh it, yeah. For me, it's the whole idea of I learned something and now I want to share it. Yep. Right. It's not the idea of the sale. It's the idea of sharing something that I learned, and you know, and the sale is just a it's an outcome of it, right? So once again, right, I'm good at speaking, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's a passion. Mm-hmm. My passion is detailing. It doesn't necessarily mean it's going to generate me money. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like the conundrum I'm dealing with right now. Is I'm I'm kind of in an area where there's three things going on. Well, there's other things going on, but there's three main things that's happening right now. And the side hustle is not only having one stream of income. Mm-hmm. The side hustle is learning how to take all the qualities that you have and then making it work together. And then trying to figure out how it works in your life. So That's a real entrepreneur right there. That sounds like oh, yeah. so many entrpreneurs. You know, there's <laughs> never just, it's not just the one thing. They've yeah. got their hand in you a couple get, different yeah, things. You need multiple streams of income. If anything happens in, in to one, one thing, yeah. you know, you could be... So instead of putting all your eggs in one basket. My friends tell me that the the number is 12, right? I make 12. They go, yeah, 12 streams of income. Oh, my what? 12. I'm like, oh, okay. So 12 is a big number to me. To me, it's like 12, you're going to spread yourself thin. To me, three is like, that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Because then you're not multitasking Mm -hmm. so much, right? And trying to only put a third of your time here and a third of your time here. It's kind of like you can invest your time in those Mm -hmm. things. But everybody's different. I, I'm not. I'm not a very good multitasker when it comes to um, big decisions like that. But three works for me. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. three is good. I think, I think three is good. more than a lot of people your age um, or anyone. Oh, yeah, yeah, even like That's any like, generation is really doing so. I, I feel like too. Like a lot of because of a lot of people now are just so focused on entertaining themselves because. You got these devices, you can, you know, every five seconds you can be checking your device. You can be in there, right? Yeah, that they spend so much time entertaining themselves that there's, you don't realize there's all these other hours throughout the day. You have so much time to do, to do something productive with, so. And I think that's what, uh, that, that's what drives me is I find myself when I'm sitting down on the couch playing a game or something, I feel yeah. like I should be doing something right now. Yeah. So whether it's going onto social media, putting a plug in putting out some kind of tip on how to detail your car or sending out text messages saying, hey, I'm free this evening or yeah. this coming weekend. You know what I mean? You want to bring your car in or you're available for dinner. You know, the, the side hustle never sleeps. It's, yeah. it's, it, you just got to be on your grind. It just depends how much you want to you know, invest yourself into the, in, into the hustle. So for me, you know, if you have the passion and you want to do something and you don't want to be stuck there just playing video games all the time, then, <laughs> You just got to get off the couch and make it happen. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what about you, like, what about it excites you so much? Like, what keeps you going? What's the... So, I, I, I'll tell you what it is. It, there's not a lot of, um, there's not a lot of jobs out there that you can 
do what is called cradle to grave work. In other words, when I receive something, it, it looks a certain way. When I'm done, it looks much different. Mm. So to me, the passion is, is seeing the customer's face when they car show when they show up to see their car. To me, it's kind of like um, give them the expectations and then over deliver. Oh yeah, right. And you over deliver every I, time. Well. They tell me that, but you know, and that's why OCD, right? Ohana car detailing. But the OCD is real. The OCD is real. The OCD is real, and it's in the details, right? So yeah, watching you guys go through that, you know, I stopped by the shop on Saturday, and oh man, you guys did a super detailed job. It was, it was pretty amazing. Yeah, and, and and I think that's where it is too, right? It's for every business that's out there, you're gonna find your niche. Yeah. So you look at the big booming businesses that are into detailing. Their business is high turnover, right? Get cars mm-hmm. in, turn it around, and put it back out so they can get the next car in, right? Yeah. So a lot of times you're not going to get the kind of quality you would anticipate getting out of yeah. the detail because of the high turnover rate. Volume. Yeah. Volume, quantity versus quality, right? Yeah. And then there's the rest. There's the rest of the guys who just do the side hustle, but we're not looking for the quantity of cars, but more the quality, right? Yeah. Which is in my case, my, you know, that, that that's my thing is. You know, if you can leave your car for the day, I guarantee you that when it comes back, it's going to look, if not 90%, 100% better than it did when it first showed up. Yes. So that's that's what I like about doing the side hustle and me managing expectations and giving back uh, an over-delivered product is um, seeing the satisfaction of the customer's face when they show up. They're like, oh, that's my car. <laughs> that's, your car. <laughs> that's your car. But, you know, having it from cradle to grave, right? Yeah. From from beginning to end and seeing the progression, that's that's what that's the drive, that's the passion. That's what gets me going. Why I stick with it. So setting up the company, how difficult that was that for you in Hawaii? Um, what did what type of research did you need to do for people who are ready to start a small business um, like you are from your home? What are some of the steps that they would need to do? So I think I think one of the first things that people need to manage or understand about starting up a, a small business is you got to be ready to do it yeah you know i mean the first the first step is to jump a lot of time people get stuck in analysis paralysis oh right? man they're going to analyze every little thing before before they want to do this or do that really you're not going to know what you don't know so you just got to do it right? just throw yourself in just throw yourself in you know immerse yourself in the, the community of the type of business that you want to get into so of course naturally for me it was i already had some skills so basically, it was just putting it out there, right? Mm. Hey, anybody want to wash their car? You know, we can do it, yada, 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 yada. So in my mind, in setting it up was first was getting the first person because uh, my friend always tells me, all you need is one follower, <laughs> right? So as you get that first follower, then, you know, with, with social media, it just it creeps out there and everybody gets word of mouth action, right? So that's all it took. You know, I had one friend says, I need my truck done. And he brought his truck, he posted it on social media, and then... Boom! It just went. Mm. So we didn't we didn't anticipate that. So for those of you that are out there listening, right, you gotta manage your expectations and then understand that the value of one follower is what's gonna make your what's gonna make things happen for you yeah. very quickly. And then another part too is um, understanding um, what what the business entails in your immediate area. In other words. Um, the first thing I did was I, I went onto social media and saw and looked for other detail other businesses in, in the area and I come to yeah. find out some of the best detailers are coming out of Evo. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Really? Some of the best are coming out of Evo, right? And I'm like, hmm, okay, that's that's a little intimidating. But yeah. then at the same time, I'm like, but they all have their own niche. Everybody has oh, okay. a niche, right? Mm-hmm. 
So there's one guy who does luxury detail. There's one guy who does um, certain people's cars. There's one guy that does only certain type of cars, mm-hmm. right? Everybody has a niche. So I'm realizing that uh, the community, everybody can get a piece of it. Yeah. So for you guys out there listening, don't be afraid. Everybody has a niche, mm-hmm. right? Just put yourself out there and don't be afraid to offer you. Third, I think a lot, a lot of people uh, where they get stuck to is um, the money, right? They're thinking, oh, am I charging too much? Am I charging too little? At the end of the day, people are not worried about how much it costs. They're they're more or less coming to you because they value you as a person, mm. right? Like, I get people who come only from Wamanalo. <laughs> There's choke detailers from Wamanalo <laughs> to Elva that they could easily stop at. But they're like, yeah, but... You know what I mean? We come here for you. Yeah. You know, not that you're the cheapest or you get the best quality, but it's you, right? Yeah. And they'll come and they'll leave their car for the entire weekend. So with that being said, you know, just don't be afraid uh, to put yourself out there because people are coming there for you. Yeah, that's an interesting point is that people aren't, a lot of times they're not buying the product, they're buying the person. Yep. That's... Yeah. And I'm finding that as a business, and especially as owner operator, and then operating out of out of a small venue like you know my garage, yeah, right, is I get to be more personable. Mm-hmm. So something I learned growing up uh, in my later teens is BRT, right, building yeah. relationship, yeah. Re- relationship with trust, right. So once you get that one-on-one interaction, you build that relationship of trust. They don't care. They'll make the they'll make the drive out from anywhere just because they feel comfortable. Right, so for instance, I posted the other day, I said customer appreciation, right? I have three people so far that come religiously every two weeks. <laughs> Their car not even dirty. <laughs> I'm like, ah, your car still looks clean. What are you clean? And they're like, yeah, just maintain them. But then it's because yeah. they see the, they, they, they had an expectation. We overexceeded the expectation. They want to maintain it. Mm-hmm. You know, and a lot of times that's, that's, that's people who are like, right, I know this guy knows other detailers that do 100% more than I do. Mm-hmm. But they said, yeah, but I, I trust you. Yeah. Like, I can come here, drop off my car first in the morning, and your car's, my car's going to look top shape. I'm like, I like that, man. It's cool. No, I really like the transparency that you have with your customers, too. So you you walk them through the details, yeah, like yep. everything that you've done. Yep. And, and, and for me, it's... Um, them understanding that the amount of work that went into it, right? Yeah. It's not that I'm saying that, oh, I did all of this and I bragged yeah. to you. It's more or less of if if uh, the customers come and I can educate them, then they understand and appreciate that, okay, the work that was put into it, I need to take care of my car because to me, that's an investment. Why wouldn't oh, you yeah. want to take care of your 20, 30, 40, 50? The highest one I've done so far is $90,000 $90, investment, right? I had a friend bring his brand new 2017 Black Escalade. I'm like, oh. 90,000 90, I'm like what am I going but you know you manage your expectations and understand that paint is paint cars is cars right yeah like the lowest uh, denominator so it's a uh, to me that's when I realized that they don't care who's doing it I mean they don't care uh, about the price but they care about who's doing it mm. and they trust the person so feels feels good to know that people feel that way and and like you said the transparency part lets people know that uh, you know they can trust that whatever it is I'm doing that's what I'm doing yeah. I don't just say, oh, here's your keys. Have a nice day. Where's yeah. the money? Yeah. Beat it. You know what I mean? Go, because I get somebody coming. I like to spend that time before and after. If you really think about it, I'm I, I'm opening up my home to possibly a complete stranger. Yeah. Right? You does know, that scare you ever? It, it does. Yeah. Because um, they're coming to my home, right? Yeah. My family's in the house. They, yeah. they know where I live, right? So to me, it, 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 it's good and bad because I can manage that expectation too, right? I would hope to not ever uh, upset somebody, 
that they will come back and retaliate. Yeah. But at the same time, it's like, oh, he's willing to open up his home. He trusts a little bit more. Yeah, he trust, they, they, they trust a little bit more. It's, it's, it's not just um, a car wash that they pull up and some random guys are doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's me and the kids, right? And they're like, okay, it's a family business. I know they're going to take care and they're going to be transparent about it. So that's what I like about uh, doing it from home rather than in a building. Where do you foresee the company going in the future? Say the next, let's see, Sapa's sixth grade. Sixth so grade. when he's graduating from high school, how many years is that? <laughs> oh, God. That's six years. Six years. So six four years of high years. school and then yeah. two years of middle school. So when I, and good question. I've been thinking about it for a long time. So I have this, uh, this funny number in the back of my head. I want to retire in five years. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> I like that song. I would love to retire in five years. You know, so it, it, I, I've thrown it out there, you know, spaghetti on the wall. See what <laughs> and, you know, it, it's out there. And we're, I'm leaving it out there, right? And I look at Seppo and in six years here, he'll graduate. And I, I share with the kids, like, you know, how many other of your friends out there are owner operators of their own business? Right? And they're like, well, I don't know that. I'm like, well, you guys are all all right. You guys all come downstairs and do it. You know, so... Where I see it going, I would love for it to see it get to a point where one of the kids would love to take it over and do it, mm. right? But I think that it would have to become bigger than what we currently do now for it to be what I imagine the kids would like it to be. But I would love for it to just stay where it's at, at home. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and just have steady customers that come every month. And I have this number that I would love to see in my head, and that's between 90 and 100,000 generated from just doing details in the garage which is possible it's very possible but immediate goals definitely immediate goals is just to maintain maintain yeah it's just to maintain you know if we could do ten thousand dollars in generated income this year that'd be awesome and then of course next year would be okay let's double that okay let's double that and just get it to a point that way we don't overextend myself and the kids because we still gotta enjoy life too Oh, yeah. True. You know, and then you'll get to that point where possibly you're ready to bring on employees and that yep. could be, you know, a next step for you folks too, or finding a venue outside of the home. Like there's so much room for growth and that three to five years seems to be such a sweet spot for businesses to really like boom and start profiting. And I think I'm kind of stuck in that middle area, right? So now I talk about analysis paralysis and so I find myself par- you know, paralyzed with this analysis of do I really want to go outside of the house and go get a venue mm, and yeah. hire employees? Yeah. Because that's just more headache that I got to mm-hmm. deal with, right? Yeah. I got to mm-hmm. pay somebody. They need mm-hmm. medical, pay the rent. dental, mm-hmm. pay the mm-hmm. lease. Yeah. So to me, it's like, well, I already pay for my house. <laughs> electric bill. You know what I mean? I'm already paying all of that. Yeah. So it's, it's kind of like, um, it, it, it's perfect yeah. for what my expectations are right now. So, But yeah, it doesn't mean that I haven't thought about going yeah. bigger. No, and a lot of times that's the best thing because... You know, you you have like money is one part of life, but time is another is another huge currency in life that you And that's that's my big thing, right? Yeah. Is that time. I would probably spend more time trying to manage everybody that's that we hired. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, oh man, it was so much nicer when it was just me and whoever I decided to come help me help me, right? Yeah. Versus now I gotta worry about possibly ten people's lives. <laughs> no thanks <laughs> just keep it close to the chest so adopting more kids yeah exactly uh, I'm not trying to be a qualified highly qualified babysitter 
Because if I remember correctly, for some twenty-year-old kids. Yeah, yeah. Because if I remember correctly, you paid a babysitter, right? I'm paying these guys to be the babysitter. Oh no! Yeah, it's so interesting because Hawaii. If you don't know, so Hawaii was ranked number forty-nine in in terms of the best states to start a business. Forty-nine out of fifty. It is a step up. Two years ago, we were number 50, but now we're 49. So we, we're climbing up a little bit. We're moving, um, we're moving. And it's because of these small businesses like uh, like Ohana Car Detailing that, uh, that we're moving that way. But have you found that challenging, the fact that you're on an island, or do you use that like to your advantage? That- well, to me, t- to me, right, I use it as an advantage because um, if you really think about it, think about the amount uh, per capita per mile on this island. That's true, yeah. It's, it's astronomical. Plenty of people. There's plenty. And that's what I'm saying. Everybody has a niche. And there's right? plenty cars. And there's trope cars. <laughs> that's true. Because in one house, you get like three, four yeah. generations. Right? And you bring up a good point, right? Number you, enough houses, but plenty <laughs> Yeah, I get plenty <laughs> But you bring up a good point. And it's something that I try to stress to the kids is you, yeah. you, you don't only have to detail cars. There's, there's all types of vehicles out there that can be detailed, right? Whether it's your boat, your motorcycle, your car, planes. You know, oh, they well, come up maybe. with technology where you can do furniture, countertops. You know, people are polishing countertops now. They're polishing countertops to make it look shiny. And I'm like, you know, it's not hard um, being on an island because it's a, uh, there's one point, what, 1.5 million people on this island, yeah. I think. Apparently, there's 816,000 cars in 2014 on Oahu. Registered on Oahu. On Oahu. Right. 800. That's like... That's, an, that's like what? One per one person. Per person. <laughs> right. <laughs> Including the kids. Yeah. That's insane. So it's insane. It's, it's, if you really think about it, detailing is like the thing to get into to start your side hustle yeah. because there's a ton of cars out there. You could have all the best detailers live in one area and every one of them will be busy. Every day or every That's weekend. That's amazing. Yeah, because there's that there's that many vehicles. There's a demand for it because a lot of people these days just don't have the time. The to time. Clean their own cars. That's so yeah. true. Yeah. So we we've cor- detailing kind of cornered a market, kind of cornered a little portion of the market that helps people retake their time back, right? Mm. Because now we're providing a service that allows right. them to buy time to do things that they yeah. want to do, and still maintain their investment, right? Yeah. So they're investing in us to give them back their time. So that's another that's another way how I look at it too is if I can provide a service that allows people to go out there and enjoy themselves yeah. and get that time back, true. I'm on charge of that. On the fact that cars depreciate so quickly and you're able to slow that oh. process puts money back into their pockets Definitely. for that resale value. Definitely. Yeah. So even just kind of like selling it that way is so here's awesome. a good, here's a good point, right? Is a lot of times you go look on Craigslist, right, or you look at Instagram or or not Instagram, but uh, Facebook Marketplace, and you look at people yeah. selling their cars. Would you buy the car that's coming out of the West Side that looks like it's broken down and has never been touched or cleaned or whatever, <laughs> right? Or are you looking at the car that you know somebody cleaned up, took care of it, yeah. maintained it, right? There's 30 pictures of it There's instead 30, of just right. one. Instead of just one, like, oh, check out my ride. $500, best offer, no waste my like time. It's kind of far, little yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, uh, but no more rims. You know what I mean? The thing run cherry. Yeah, the thing run cherry, but no, 175000 No AC, but the thing run cherry. Yeah. But it doesn't look like it's been, you know, that it was well maintained. And then you got this other guy who's asking for, you know, significantly amount. Uh, an amount more than what the other person in the same car. Yeah. But they look like they maintained it, they've cleaned it. Oh, yeah. So a lot of times people will, will say, oh, yeah, I just like wash them for resale. And then, you know, 
when they realize that a detail can actually get them another couple thousand or two thousand because it oh, looks yeah. presentable, right? Everything looks good. You're absolutely right, Jen. Yeah, that return on investment is huge in the housing market too. I'm obsessed with HGTV. And when they do those, you know, they <laughs> flip the, the houses yep. or they come in and they're just um, even just one room and staging it. Yep. So bringing in items just to make the house looks exactly the same, but you stage it differently. Yep. And all of a sudden your house is worth $20,000 It's a perspective, right? It really <laughs> is. Just, it really is. Like, like you bring it, yeah, that, that is a good point. The ROI on that uh, for resale, resale value of a car, we definitely help slow down that depreciation of a vehicle, especially with the type of technology they have now. You know, this thing with ceramic coating and, and all of that, they, it actually, uh, some of it is actually found in like Kelly Blue Book value. Where oh, really? If your car is coated, this wow. is the resale value. I'm like, Oh. That's one of the checkboxes. That's one of the, the checkboxes, yeah. Wow. And and it has to be a certain type of ceramic coating from a certain type of company. Mm. So if you're that person that's doing it, you're actually helping, you're right, you're actually yeah. helping people increase the resale value of their car by having that particular coating installed on their car. So. And that one you had to get like a license or certificate or something to, yeah. to do so that specific? Let's talk about ceramic coatings. I immersed myself in the community, reached out uh, to a group, and one, partic- one particular person reach back and unfortunately he's on the big island right oh and, and wow so he and i were, were was having conversations and you know he brought up this company uh and said hey you should look into it this is the guy's contact this is uh his email so you know yeah i reached out to the company they came back said oh yeah we got a we got a lot of guys out there in hawaii that's using our product and you know we can definitely work you through the process and get you ready to go and everything so it was a pretty it was actually pretty good uh transition uh learning it hmm. and then um once once that went through then you know I started noticing that there's not only just one type of coding <laughs> like, oh, there's a ton of codings out there so now I, I start looking at other ones and, and see how it compares to the one that I use so you know so for all you guys out there looking to start a business uh, be open minded <laughs> I love that you're like not afraid to reach out to people that you don't know yeah. you know I think that um, I've heard that too uh, like if you want to be in a certain position or in a certain profession, um, find someone you can grab coffee with, or you know, just grab lunch with and ask questions. And a lot of times, there's people like people don't mind, and they'll sit down with you, you know, 15, 30 minutes, and talk you through what you need to do to get where you are. But you can't be afraid, you can't know, to afraid. to reach out to take that first step. So something I learned uh, in my current position is called high velocity learning. So mm-hmm. with, with high velocity learning, um, you basically are immersing yourself into an environment that's uh, safe to learn. Mm-hmm. So what do I do? I find other like-minded people that are doing the same type of business that I'm doing, immerse myself, and then the high-velocity learning is is not being afraid to reach out and ask the questions, and then being able to ramp yourself up quickly. So if you think about it, most people who are doing things now maybe take two to three years to actually understand the business that they're in. My idea was what can I learn in the next six months that can get me to a position that would equate to somebody who's learned the business in two to three years. So immerse myself in the community, ask plenty of questions with the understanding of I want to learn as much as I can and then don't be afraid to execute it. Mm. To execute it. Don't get stuck on the idea of, oh, I just learned something, but mm, I don't know if I'm going to do it right. You're not going to know what you don't know, so you got to try. Oh, that's great advice. Yeah. Do you ever feel like intimidated by asking the wrong questions to somebody who... I used to. Yeah. I used to feel intimidated. And the reason why I did that was because I didn't want to seem like the noob. Yeah. That's right? yeah. I, I, I get scared of that all yeah. the time. You know what I mean? Like the noob. But um, I think a lot of times what you what, what 
helps is the way how you frame your question. Mm. So if you frame your question right, right, th- like really think about what it is that you're asking and then ask it. A lot of times people are really quick to answer if you do it right. Yeah. Right. But if you just if you're just a random Joe Schmo that's just asking questions that they just answered like two, you know, what I mean, two streams ago, it's kind of like ah, we just talked about this. Like, scroll up. It's like, what? Here's the thread. Read the thread. Right? Yeah. So, so a lot of times, what, what I'll do is if I go into a group, I'll read the threads, right, and see what they talked about. Read up on what they've done. That way, when I ask the question, I'm not asking a question that was already spoken on. So yeah, yeah. But at first, yeah, I'm super intimidated. Um, and I think a lot of times people are super intimidated because um, they lack the knowledge. Yeah. Right. So if people took the time to understand, do a little bit of research, and and do your part in understanding. Mm-hmm. When you ask the question, then people won't be like, "Bad this guy, noob, <laughs> total noob." So yeah, I, I used to be like that. And yeah. um, once I once I got some good responses to with some guys, then I established a good relationship with them, and then now I'm not afraid to ask questions. What do you think's been the biggest challenge for you um, over these last couple months? Um, two things. Uh, that's been a real challenge. One is uh, managing the time, because, like I said, right, well, like we spoke about earlier, is you can't get back that time. And a lot of times, I, I end up finding myself diving into work that I really didn't need need to have to dive into, but because my OCD kicked in, you know, I get lost <laughs> in it, right? And, and yeah. then I end up spending way more time than I than I need to be spending on something, and it takes away time from the family. So that's one struggle that I've been uh, having, and I'm realizing that I need to develop a process, stick to the process, and execute it as I say, so that my output would be the same in less amount of time, and I can spend more time with my family. Mm. And then the other one is is just um, managing people's expectations. So people come with an expectation of, okay, you told me this, this is what I expect coming out of it, right? But what I've been finding out is when I frame what the expectations should be yeah. to them first rather than them giving me their expectations yeah. then they're like okay yeah that makes sense okay thank you for the recommendation so it's like mm-hmm. you, you're giving it you're giving credit to them because you're telling them that oh yeah this okay you give them the idea they feel good oh yeah yeah, yeah that's what I was talking about then they feel good about what it is that you're telling them right so yeah. at first I was having people tell me what they wanted and then when it's not what they wanted when they come then they're like okay I thought you was going to be able to do this. So now it's the other way, right? Is, okay, oh, hey, that's a great idea. So we'll do this. And then, you know, we'll give them that expectation. So those are, I think, the two biggest things because um, <laughs> today, right, there's this one guy that I really, um, I, I, I watch because he's good. And he got a negative comment on Yelp today, right? Oh. He's like, oh, I haven't got one of these in months, right? And he took it like a champ. I would have been like, oh, I would have just been devastated. I would have just melted. <laughs> go under my rock. I'm never posting any more pictures. Oh, you know what I mean? I'm just kind of like, I don't want to do it because it's, it's, it, it, you feel like you, you failed. But to him, he took it. He's like, oh, well, lesson learned. I'm going to learn from it. I'm going to move on, you know. So, yeah, I think that's, th- those are the things that I'm struggling with. <laughs> those are the things I'm struggling with right now. And I think that's going to be with every person who wants to start a business is um, managing their time and then managing the expectations, expectations of the customers, especially yeah. if you're a customer-based uh, service. Yeah, it probably helps you build credibility too with them if you're saying, okay, uh, this is what I'm going to do, this is... And then they kind of know, okay, this guy knows what he's talking about. See, and it's funny you say that because everybody, in detailing, everybody has their creative mindset of how they approach a vehicle, right? Yeah. So the way how I approach a vehicle versus somebody else, totally different. 
but we may come out with the same outcome, right? Yeah. So in my, in my mind, I'm thinking there's no wrong process, but there's processes that are best practices, mm-hmm. right? And that's what I try to do is I try to pick up on the best practices and then incorporate it into my process that I already have in my mindset. And I think that's why a lot of times I just don't want to post pictures because I don't want to hear the whole, oh, yeah, but if you do it this way, oh, but you shouldn't be doing it that way. I'm like, well, that, that's my <laughs> that's, that's my process. process. That's my mindset. And that's how yeah. I operate. And then I end up finding that, you know, I'm critiquing myself most of the time and self-reflecting and I'm not doing work. Mm-hmm. So I'd rather just execute work with what I'm picking up on and then be less transparent about my process. But that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> <laughs> conversation. No, but it goes back to how people are, you know, they're not necessarily buying the product all the time. They're buying. Yeah. Know, they're buying combo. Yeah. They're buying OCD. And, and, and I love it. Yeah, it's the experience um, that people really spend money on, especially our generation. I think. Yeah, um, I think so. That's like where a lot of places or a lot of businesses, like Airbnb, you know, they're creating experiences for people tailored to what their desires, their wants, their needs are. Um, And I'm the same way. I shop the same way. I shop places that I feel like I have a good experience and I'm willing to pay more money for something if I know I'm going to be satisfied with the entire experience so you know when you talk about experience um, a lot of times the big stores that you go into right you just become another customer that walked in the door Mm -hmm. and a lot of my friends that have gone on and made you know small family businesses or whatever they're finding that you know expanding was never in their thought process uh, for their business because they just wanted to maintain those relationships and keep keep the, the experience intact of what they've created by first saying family-owned business, we're operating out of our home, this is what we can offer you. And, and they like that interaction. And you're right, people are, are, are creatures of habit, right? They're going to continue to do the type of shopping or visit the same people because it, it, it's their habit and they've created a good relationship with them. And I think that's, I think that's what most impresses me about doing small business with family. You know, what your immediate family is having those type of relationships and networking that way. Mm. Yeah. I love all of the things you hit on, especially with family um, and involving your children. Um, it also gets me thinking that, geez, if your child is excited about something, you could get them started for $70. Um, yeah. I'm so passionate about fashion and I love reading about these young designers who are like 12 years old, you know, and they're oh, just yeah. at home and it might not be couture. Um, that they're designing, but they're passionate about what they're doing and their parents are supporting them and they're getting them out there. I mean, you could do organic lemonade stands, you yeah. know, and make a ton of money. Yeah. Um, they're doing digital lemon stands. I don't know if you saw oh, that. that. They're doing digital lemon lemonade stands. You know what I mean? They have a storefront. They sell lemonade. People order it. It comes to and, and they it comes right it. to them. I yeah. love it. There's actually some really good lemonade companies in True Hawaii. True story. True oh, story. Yeah. yeah, like every. Ooh, is that still <laughs> oh my gosh, there's so many. Every festival, I'm like, I have to have lemonade now. So mm-hmm. it's funny that you bring up what you brought up because I, I for the longest time I've thought about like, wow, why doesn't Jenica just do her own fashion line already? It's a lot of overhead. It is a lot of overhead, but if you think about it, look what's out there now. Right? Look at all the small business, small local business that are out there. Yeah. All it took was somebody to wear a shirt, 
and that oh, was it. Totally. Uh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Like this, like this. So okay. What you got on? What you got on? sporting here? Here's a here's a quick plug for my boy Dane Montez and his models out there. <laughs> okay. Humble remedy. Right across the street. Yeah, right across the street. <laughs> homestead. But you know, it, uh, all it took was they had a, a concept and idea. Oh, that's that's his uh, yeah. thing. All right. It's him and his brother Blue. Right. They had I a concept, like and, and all they did was, oh, we get this idea for making a shirt. They printed up the shirts, and bah, it was hot. Big why? Everybody got sick of the norm, right? They want yeah. the, what's the latest, freshest oh, yeah. shirt that's out there right now, right? So everybody's competing for what's the next best shirt, right? Yeah. You get Hawaii's Finest. You get uh, get Nuts. You know, you get these guys oh, from yeah. the Remedy, Remedy, you know? And if you think about it, right, how are they marketing their shirts and how are they releasing it? Limited farmer's market edition. Yeah. One time and one time only, never bringing it back. Who pays $100 for a snapback hat? (laughs) Farmer's market hats. They're going for 100 bucks. So, you know, and and for you to bring that up, Jen, I'm, I'm telling you, man, you could do it. I just am loving with like any business. Like honestly, I think I just, I've always loved just business in general. Yeah. Yeah. Like I could get down with like a ton of different businesses. Um, and that journey to, to me is so inspiring. So I'm super stoked for, um, all of our listeners out there because I feel like there's definitely at least one person who's about to jump into car detailing or get their, they got their $70 saved up. They're ready to go. Yeah. Don't yeah, don't just listen, like be active. This is one of the things that we wanted to bring out with the podcast is like like we're giving you the information, go do something with it. Don't just sit down and you know, like Kong said, there's so much out there to do. You you can find your niche. And if you have questions, ask. Um, Kamu, tell us, tell our listeners how they can reach you, where they can find you on social media. Okay, so uh, on Instagram uh, at Ohana Card Detailing. That's the that's the Instagram the at whatever what is that what is that called handle the handle yeah at ohana card detailing ocd you can find me on instagram and uh if you go on instagram uh you, you can send me a is it a dm dm it's a dm yep, drop into DM. that dm, <laughs> drop into my DM. keep it pg right? though <laughs> you know happily married got kids now uh, yeah, you can definitely hit me up in my dm uh also you got my information on top there i think my my phone number is on top there so uh, I got a Google Doc link too. Uh, if you have other questions, you can click on the Google Doc and it'll pull up a, an information page. And you fill it out, uh, you, you email it to me. So if you want to send me an email, uh, it's ohanacarddetailing at gmail.com. Nice, nice. Yeah. Right on. We'll post um, all of these links on our social media as well. You can visit us at www.thepacificcurrent.com or email us with your questions or anyone that might inspire you at info at thepacificcurrent.com. We are also on Instagram at The Pacific Current. We're on Twitter at Pacific Current. And we are on Facebook, The Pacific Current. So we're out there, guys. <laughs> we are out here on this island. Yeah, but we just wanted to uh, thank you again, Kamu, for coming, stopping by. We'll do this again. Kamu's, uh, you know, he's got a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff we can wrap about. Oh, so easy. Yeah. Um, yeah, we'll definitely do this again. Uh, let us know. If there's anybody you want us to have on the show or questions that you have for, for my man here or for us, uh, please hit us up at uh, the places Jenica just mentioned. But uh, again, this is Andrew T. from the Pacific Current. Jenica K., don't forget, it's all in the details. It's all in the details. OCD. OCD. <laughs> all right. All right.